Hey everyone, um, Madeline Hutchinson here. I am an individual who is passionate about using tech for good, and I'm having a little bit of an identity crisis uh, at the moment in between roles um, leaving the tech for social good space at JP Morgan and moving into a new role as head of tech philanthropy at Morgan Stanley, but super excited to be taking on this new role and continuing to build out programs that help nonprofits move the needle in terms of their tech adoption. Welcome to the podcast. So there we go. All right. Um, hey, everybody. We're trying a new format here. It's Friday, January 27th, recording date. The beauty of international and remote work. We have some. We have three different time zones represented. So some of us are just waking up, <clears throat> Jess, and it's others me. of us are getting ready to go to bed, <clears throat> Maddie. And uh, <laughs> I don't get to do either of those things. So uh, it's going to be a fun show, nice and light. Uh, identity crisis. I love it, especially because this past year we've kind of transitioned from calling everything CSR to calling it CSI, and I like that move from responsibility to impact. And really focusing on what we're doing. And today's show is focusing on an individual who, over what, nearly a decade? Is it insulting to say that long? Can I, should I just say eight years? Is it better to say? <laughs> I'll take it either way. Okay. <laughs> nearly a decade in this space um, has innovated and brought public a lot of things that are still siloed and still secretive and still... And I don't know even know if this term is applicable anymore, but the good old boys club um, of people in the greater space of ESG, DEI, CSI, however, whoever we want to say is in charge, um, all those acronyms, we still have closed rooms. And part of Hey Good Chat and part of Madeline's mission, you know, I'm glad that we're in sync on this, is to remove those walls and at the very least make windows. So welcome, Madeline. Good morning, Jess. Good morning. Happy to be here. Nice to chat with you, Maddie. I know. I'm so excited for this. It's been great. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of that identity crisis piece, I'd love to start at the beginning and kind of understand your change awakening, as I've been calling it, um, when it comes to (laughs) what brought you into the space and um, what kind of led to this long career in CSI? Yeah, for sure. Happy to to dive in. Um, it goes back a long, long time ago, um, a few decades ago. When I was growing up, I think I always had a passion for giving back and nonprofits. Um, my mom used to tease that I never found a nonprofit I didn't like. Like I was always one week, like super passionate about the local dog shelter. And then the next week, like at the Cleveland food bank, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. And so I was always fundraising at school um, and on the side and just super passionate about giving back and working with nonprofits. And so I think throughout my, my school time and, and into university, I was really thinking about pursuing a career in the nonprofit sector. But um, before I did that, my parents challenged me to go to the corporate sector and learn a little bit more about how business worked before I brought those skill sets to the nonprofit sector. And so I actually started off my career um, in investment banking. 
and um, talk about an identity crisis. Somebody who um, did not did not ever see her herself starting her career in the investment bank to going uh, to to working at J.P. Morgan and on the trading desk um, was was something that was definitely a challenge for me. But it ended up being a great learning opportunity um, and getting the the chance to see how inner workings of a big bank worked, what it was like. I learned how to think on my feet and all those crazy things and circling back and, and you know, <laughs> double clicking into all the, the financial terms um, that I dusted off my finance books from university to, to remind myself how to do. But during that time, um, I started to really want to get back to giving back and understanding, you know, what JP Morgan was doing in terms of um, corporate social at that time responsibility and the impact that they were having in communities. And so um, on the weekend started to volunteer and just your traditional hands-on um, volunteering opportunities at actually a local charter school in Harlem, New York. And in that time um, got really involved with the charter school and started to think about how we could be going deeper with that um, charter school and helping them um, think about technology adoption in the classroom. This was kind of in the early days of really adopting the latest and greatest tech in a lot of these classrooms. And so thinking through that got connected to um, the tech for good team at JP Morgan and through that work um, started to understand what the firm was doing using technology and our 50,000 technologists um, at J.P. Morgan to to do some skilled volunteerism in the space. And through that, then one thing led to another. I was very curious learning from that team um, and then got the opportunity to go in and build out a skilled volunteerism program um, on the Tech for Social Good team. So I left my, my days of investment banking and really got towards something that I felt like was more aligned with what I wanted to do with my life and what I wanted to be when I grow up, grew up. And that's kind of how I fell into this tech for good ecosystem and space um, and was really focused on building that skilled volunteerism program across the U.S. and South America for um, the first couple of years of my career um, and thinking about how we could go deeper um, in finding opportunities that were um, giving our employees ways to use their their skills, but also finding sustainable solutions. So, you know, JP Morgan, we obviously don't have a tech product that we're, you know, directly selling to consumers. So a little different than our friends across the tech for good ecosystem. So we were really looking at how we could leverage those awesome products um, uh, companies were offering, um, but helping nonprofits implement them and start using them um, at their organization. So we did a, a ton of work on what projects were most successful and um, sustainable for nonprofits and were able to roll out to about uh, 150 or so nonprofits globally each year um, through that program. And then found my way somehow to building out and scaling a social good hackathons portfolio and really thinking about how um, we use the hackathon model to engage university students to help nonprofits ideate. Um, and that went from tech to data to product design. Um, and it's been really cool to see that program grow. And we run about um, 50 or so hackathons um, every year through that program at JP Morgan. Um, and then more recently, um, 
was thinking about where I wanted to go next and got the opportunity to um, to move over to Morgan Stanley and head up the um, Tech for Good work there called Tech Philanthropy. And I start next week um, on the job. So I don't have a ton to share yet about that space, but they've been doing some really thoughtful work um, in the Tech for Good ecosystem. And I'm excited to, to join on board and help continue to scale and build that programming um, at Morgan Stanley. Oh, wow. So quite the journey across different sectors and starting out volunteering with nonprofits. I love to hear uh, when folks have experience with the nonprofit world and can really weave that into their work as they go um, throughout their career. And you've done that beautifully. Um, The social impact hackathons are so impactful. We have tons of skills um, with our employees that'll benefit nonprofits exponentially. So I love that you've been able to build that out uh, for your programs too. Well, I think those walk are that back. What's a hackathon? Why don't you, you, you can each give us a definition of what you see a hackathon being. Okay. Yeah, I'll start. Um, to me, a social impact hackathon is finding a way to meet the need of a nonprofit when your employees have a specific skill set that might be able to support. Um, so th- in my experience doing that with Auth0, we would have a nonprofit partner that has some sort of tech challenge and they would um, share it with our team and we'd find employees that had the skills that would be able to match it. And then we'd dedicate a week or so of work on it and then go back and present our work to the nonprofit to basically see how we did, if we were able to meet their need and um, solve their issue. And um, if not, sometimes we extended it out further so that we made sure we got there. Um, but those were how we approached hackathons, at least. How about you, Maddie? Yeah, no, that's cool. I, I plus one to everything you said, Jess. I also like to call it organized chaos a bit because um, I think a lot of times in our hackathon space, we did them much shorter time periods. So usually 24 hours or so um, at JP Morgan. So people would stay up all night um, either hacking or going into a data um, set and really anal- analyzing it and coming up with their predictions of how the nonprofit should should move forward with that or building a design of um, a product of what the nonprofit should think about. So Ours were pretty fast paced, lots of coffee fueled long (laughs) nights. Um, But similar to you, you know, really making sure at the end of the day, it was a cool ideation platform for the nonprofits on how tech or data could solve that challenge that they were facing. Um, And I think it was a really cool opportunity to get some outsider perspective on a problem that they were thinking about, um, which is so important, I think, in this space um, and any project you work on, just having someone who's not involved in the day-to-day and asking some of those questions that maybe you think you know the answers to, um, but are really excited to go deeper into and kind of jam on a bit. So I think it was a really cool innovation tool for the nonprofits. And we did um, basically paired our hackathons with the skilled volunteers and programs. So after the end of the 24 or 48 hours, the nonprofit would move into our skilled volunteerism program where our employees would then dedicate about eight months to building out a solution with the nonprofit. So the ideas that came out of the hackathon really sparked um, what that larger sustainable solution would be for them. Okay, so that's cool. And I think what where I'm, I'm mentally placing it is that there could be a version that is just a skilled volunteerism sprint. 
So it doesn't need to be technologists. It could be graphic designers. It could be copywriters. Mm -hmm. It could be anybody in your organization using their talents to support some nonprofit ask. Mm -hmm. And then what you did at JP Morgan was push it one level further and make it a, an ongoing, not only are we going to come up with the ideation, not only will we do the MVP, not only will we do core round one, we're going to stick it out. And it sounds like it was a combination of continual work, but also making sure that the work delivered. Yeah, definitely. And I think one thing, Peter, that I would challenge companies to do that I don't think we had cracked the nut um, at JP Morgan with yet is, um, is, uh, <laughs> doing cross-functional teams too. So it would have, like, we started, we were doing these WordPress kind of build-outs for nonprofits. um, And we would bring in, you know, some individuals from our user experience teams or marketing teams. We were just starting to do that. So I encourage um, other organizations or individuals who are trying to do this hackathon style or sprint style project, like you were saying, Peter, look at that cross-functional team, because I think that is really valuable having those expertises come together um, and those subject matter experts from those different areas, because I think um, that's when it can really get powerful and giving them some, the nonprofit, something that is well-rounded and, you know, usable. Um, whereas, uh, when you kind of have these siloed teams, sometimes when we would give it over to a marketing team, there would be a lot that needed to be changed before it could get to the, the fully functioning solution. So definitely challenge orgs to think about that a bit. And that's why you got the fist from pump from me, because one of our favorite statements here is I would like to challenge other organizations too. So you got, you got ahead of that ask and you got ahead of me having to do it by myself. So there we go. I think that's great. And finding ways to collaborate across teams um, in terms of what the output can be for the nonprofit, but also internally how that can build morale uh, within teams and that can build connection and IDA ideas and build out ideation even more. So um, you, we know you're quite the community builder. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you do that internally with your teams and then even externally with other tech for good spaces. Yeah, it's a great, great thing. Um, point justice. I think one thing that I've started to realize in my, my career working in the corporate, um, uh, social impact space and just the umbrella of um, corporate social responsibility. I think one thing that I've started to find is a passion for building communities. One um, challenge I see a lot in the space is there's a lot of need from the social sector and nonprofits um, in terms of funding and expertise and access that um, I think a lot of organizations are able to kind of solve a piece of, but if we are able to come together and work together, we can really accomplish a lot more and build awesome um, opportunities to work in partnership with nonprofits to move the needle in terms of whatever they're trying to do and scaling their missions. And obviously my passion is on the the tech adoption and and leveraging technology space. But um, I think one thing that 
has come through and that is just my passion of bringing those communities together and making sure that we're having thoughtful conversations and in the right room. So internally, you know, through JP Morgan, making sure that we were working not only in our vertical in our tech employees um, and our global technology organization, but also thinking about um, how we engaged with global philanthropy, how we engaged with our nonprofit bankers who are working with the nonprofits and really bringing them into the room and designing programs that were helping them and their needs rather than, you know, building something and trying to implement it back to the the communities that um, we were serving. So I think that was a big piece of community building internally that I was focused on with the team um, more broadly. And then externally, um, as you mentioned, I started to realize that there's a lot of organizations in this space who are doing doing similar work. And we're going to the same conferences and at the networking sessions afterwards, there would be a lot of side conversations of, hey, have you worked with this nonprofit? Like, have you tried this? Oh, avoid that. You know, um, oh, we, we tried a hackathon. That did not go well. Like, make sure you check the Wi-Fi. Like little t- tidbits and tips you could share um, with each other. And Um, you know, that was very informal to start. And then um, as we started to see the need for more and more nonprofits um, coming to tech adoption and thinking about that, started to pull together this group more formally. Um, And again, it started as just monthly chats of, hey, what are you working on? Oh, we're trying to work with this nonprofit, but we don't have the skills at our organization to do this. Would you be able to do that at your org? And it kind of started to just snowball and build. And now we have a formal Tech for Good symposium, which I have the pleasure of chairing um, co-chairing with um, Aaron Stein from uh, Two Sigma Data Clinic. And um, it's been a really cool opportunity. We have like 30 plus organizations now across the tech and data sectors who are really focused on this tech for good work. And it's been a cool way to just bring this community together of traditional competitors in this space, but using this as an avenue to put aside that competitiveness and get competitive about how we can work together and really move the needle for nonprofit tech. So it's been a cool opportunity to um, to learn from each other. And not only are we learning now, but trying to put out collective um, work into the space. So creating a landscape that really models out all of the different offerings that our organizations have and how nonprofits can find more information about that. We've started to collaborate and work on projects together in the space. You know, one nonprofit with employees from multiple different organizations um, working together. So really trying to find ways that we can collectively put good work out there and, and again, help move the needle for nonprofits and tech adoption. And I think the community is so strong and it's a really, really great group of people who are willing to, to share and be open and, um, and learn from each other and uh, really just be vulnerable about where we are in space and how we can do better together. So it's been a, a privilege and honor to get to grow that that group um, over the past four or five years and really excited to see what hopefully we can continue to do this year and beyond. Yeah, impact is really amplified when you come together um, and build out something that's innovative and exciting and really useful for a partner. So that sounds like a, an amazing collaboration. I've got to pass the mic to Peter because I know he's chomping at the bit to get uh, trying to talk about tech for good. 
right? No. Get in, in there. In fact, I was going to roll back to the identity crisis oh. and go, okay, you've got the symposium. You've got good friends. You've got allies. You're established in an organization. You know, great title, Gilded Business Guard. And you did the full incursion with boredom, change a program. Like what, what motivates the next step? There, there are a lot of us listening. There are people, people participating in this conversation that are fresh to the space that feel that their journey improving where they're at <clears throat> may have not even started. And they certainly can't see the end of it. And they can't see this, that, that change. And we've talked to a lot of people that were in finance. Our, our first our first guest with audio errors became our fourth guest, again, with audio errors. So it was yeah. bound to never happen. This is a phantom episode. My, we'll come out like season five when we're doing a blooper reel. <laughs> blooper reel, yeah. Um, amazing person. She came from finance and started a social enterprise with a couple peers also coming from finance. And I, we have an upcoming guest. Same thing. She went from finance to working for a nonprofit. You are, again, I, I use the term incursion and that might be too strong. Um, in the finance world, built something up. Boy, is it hard to make a business case for it. And you're leading it. What, where, it, was there introspection? Was there a, a life, <laughs> and, uh, well, if it's a life crisis, you don't have to share. But like, what, what motivates somebody that's accomplished it to want to either start over or accomplish it somewhere else? It's a great question and one that a lot of people asked me before I made this transition. Um, you know, I think the team at JP Morgan started when I joined the team, I think we were six people globally. And now there's 30 odd people on the Tech for Social Good team at JP Morgan. And I think that's a true testament to the leaders in that team, um, Ali Morano, who built the team and, and led the space, um, really getting that backing. Um, and I think we can go into a whole other episode on business case, as you said earlier, Peter, and how you can build that at your organization and what it looks like. We've had to pivot and change the ROI of our team many a times um, to kind of meet what those buzzwords of different executives and leaders in the space were, but always holding true to what we wanted to do, which was helping nonprofits and using our employees and our skills and our resources to be able to do that. And it was an amazing effort and team. But what I like to say is that it was a well-oiled machine. You know, there was a lot that I could go in and tinker with and change. And there was really cool things that we were able to do. You know, the pandemic threw some interesting changes at us, going to remote first working, all of that, I think, um, were really fun challenges and changes. But that machine was rolling on, you know, for 10 plus years. Um, I think what I was looking for was an opportunity to get to go back in and get my hands dirty and build a little bit more. I think there are so many opportunities of where we can go in this space and what that looks like. And to be fair, like many people, wasn't really, un I was unsure of what that, that next step was until one of the, the colleagues from Morgan Stanley um, tapped me on the shoulder and said, you know, this would be a really cool opportunity for you. And at first, I was kind of like, ah, I really like what I'm building over here, though. Um, 
But I think that being able to take that step backwards and be curious, a lot of what I've been able to do in my career was just being curious about something. I was in the investment bank, curious about what JP Morgan was doing for good. And then when I got on that team, you know, building out the skilled volunteerism space, curious about what hackathons could look like and what that was. Um, And this is just another chance of, you know, trying to be curious about what else there could be and what it looks like. Um, And I think that's kind of what pushed me to take this change. Um, And it was a really, really hard decision um, and really bittersweet to leave that organization and team. But I'm so excited to see what we can build at Morgan Stanley. They have some great programs already in place, um, but I think there's a lot more that they're wanting to do. And so I think, again, just really curious um, to see what that looks like and how I can you know, use some of what I know, but also get to build a lot of new stuff um, in this space with that team um, and really see what's possible. So I think you know, that curiosity has always kind of fueled me um, in my career changes. And I think that led me to a lot of focusing, the curiosity led me to focusing on, okay, what am I passionate about? And what are those things that I want to make sure whatever I'm doing are, you know, ticked off in each of those roles. And through that, finding those passions, I've started to realize a little bit what my purpose is. I still don't really know what I want to be when I grow up, but I know that um, part of that is is building community and thinking about leveraging tech for good. And so just trying to find ways that in my role, I can have that as part of you know my everyday um, business as usual, if you will. So I'm, I'm hearing people that thrive in this space are constant. They have passion, curiosity, and are constant builders. And that's anybody that's wanting to thrive in this. There's your, there's your cheat sheet. Check those boxes and you'll be good to go. All right. I think the curiosity piece, sorry, is just really interesting because, you know, I think one thing I want to be really clear about is sitting in a, a corporate seat at this table. We don't know all the answers and all of the solutions. Um, we need to build in partnership with the nonprofits and the social sector. And so that curiosity plays a big piece into how we ask the right questions, how we learn from them, how we build with them. Um, and I think that is something that sets really good um, programs from really great programs when it comes to impact programs, because I think being curious and understanding what those challenges are and going deeper allows you to help build or build better programs and solutions along with the nonprofit. So I think that curiosity piece is really key um, in any endeavor that you do in this space. So watch what I do here. This brings us back to the Tech for Good Symposium. This is why I just passed the mic. It's not just about product impact. Now, I, I, I know everybody wants to pass it to me about product impact and uh, different models of, of accomplishing that goal and where, where philanthropy comes into play and avoiding tech debt, blah, blah, blah. That's my grandiose speech. That's my, my pulpit. But one of the things that I've loved about Tech for Good Symposium is that it does it is a place for people to be curious, people in those seats of responsibility to figure out like, how do you, how do you fix it? How do you make it work? 
Um, and something that we're trying to do in a broadcast form for everybody, because there's still people trying to build something to get to a point where they're a good fit for a tech for good symposium or an impact cloud or a, a social impact network, you know, based in whatever city you're in. Um, yeah, that's super important. And thank you for doing that. Yeah, no, I think, you know, I just am the person who puts the monthly meetings on and, and gets the space. I think it only works when we have great participants and members like yourself, Peter, and others who are willing to share, you know, if we could all just sit there and keep our secrets and, and learnings close to our chest, this community wouldn't grow. I think it really is important that everybody in this space is willing to share and again, build together. And this isn't some place where we should be competitive. This is a place where there's room for everyone to grow and make impact. And so I think that um, it really wouldn't be um, at what it is today if it weren't for the awesome members who are willing to do that sharing and growing and learning and being curious um, because otherwise we could all just keep going in our our lanes um, and be building programs that are are great and helping but they're not impactful and really moving that needle so you're you're are you documenting this landscape yeah yeah so i mean being the tech for good symposium we are pretty low tech in how we're sharing a lot of this out. It started as a Google Google uh, Drive document, but now is moved into an Airtable bat- database. So I can pop it over. Maybe we can put it in the show notes. But um, I think this this is I call it the MVP of what we have. Um, but it was really just a way to quickly get information out to individuals or nonprofits who are like, okay, I need help in finding mentors in the tech space, or I need a skilled volunteerism program, or I need funding, and then basically can filter and see which organizations offer that and then how they get more information or apply um, and that into those different programs. So really just meant to be this free resource out there for nonprofits to kickstart um, some of this work that they may be trying to do. And, and just to maintain friendships, I wouldn't call Google Sheets or Airtable low tech. Let's call it accessible tech. Accessible tech. There I we like go. That. Yeah, there we go. Definitely. So, two two uh, stakeholders in that. If an organization wants to be a part of it and listed in there and be active in the conversation, how do they do it? Second question: If a nonprofit wants access to it, or a social enterprise, or anything that's an appropriate fit, wants access to it, where do they find it? Great question. So I'm going to point everyone um, over to our, our email. Um, that's probably the best way to get more information if you are an organization looking to, um, to be part of uh, the symposium or put your information on there. Um, you can email techforgoodsymposium at gmail.com and we will get you more info and um, you know, we want to make sure the information that's going in there um, aligns with kind of what we're trying to capture. So um, Aaron and I will just set up a call, learn more about your org, and then we'll gladly get your information in there so it can be shared out. And then if you are a nonprofit who's interested, again, I can share the link. We have a bit.ly I'll, I'll send over um, in the show notes, but you can check out the um, the the landscape there. And then if you have more questions, you can always email uh, the Tech for Good Symposium email address as well, and we can connect you um, with the right people from the organizations. 
Very cool. So is this something where I'm going to call out Aaron? You two want to come back and we'll actually talk Tech for Good Symposium. And yeah. we'll talk the the business case and the ROI. And really, if, if you if you think you're an organization that won't embrace a blank for good opportunity, let's let's see if we can't motivate and encourage and cheat sheet that for other people. Yeah, would be happy to. And I think another thing working together, the red tape that we had to jump through with our organizations, everyone to be able to set something like this up has been really interesting. So that's another thing I would be happy to share secrets about of how we got legal and compliance and HR and, um, and external communications and everybody on board for us you know, working together with our in quotes competitors um, and figuring out how we how we uh, shared information in a meaningful way. So happy to share some of that as well, because I think, again, more groups like this are so important, especially in the space of just moving everyone forward. And I, and I will say that in, in my own role, our technical partnerships team has been the, the greatest battering ram for any door you'll ever need to, to meet the right people and do the right thing. And so don't be afraid to ask inside your organization for the, the right head to make something happen. It's been very cool. Thank you, Maureen Anderson and Bo. Um, so yeah, there we go. Talking about the competitor space, do you all remember back in, I don't know, 2019 when um, McDonald's and Whopper, we are not, we are not sponsored by either organization. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where, um, Burger King did the day without a Whopper in order to amplify McDonald's sales for um, fighting childhood cancer that day. I think that's one um, competitor story that I really like to look back to and think about in the way that they were able to, they just sold zero Whoppers that day, but they amplified the work that McDonald did, McDonald's did uh, with Big Macs in order to help uh, a bigger cause, a cause bigger than the organizations. And that's what I feel like um, you're trying, you're, you're leading when it comes to tech for um, the tech for good space. So thank you for that. Jess, do you want to come be the PR person for the symposium? <laughs> we can in. use that. <laughs> yeah. No, but I think that that's such a cool story. And yes, I remember that. And everyone, you know, the uproar that came off of that, like in a good way of people yeah. being like, wow, like that is just mm -hmm. a, a class act move um, to put aside, I don't know how many Whoppers they sell every day, but there's got to be a lot of Whoppers right. sold every single day. <laughs> um, and amplifying each other's work, I think, is to your point, exactly our hope here. Um, and si similar um, sentiment, not, not on such a large scale yet, uh, but you know, with promoting each other's programs and come, you know, apply to these different grants or these different um, skilled volunteerism opportunities. I think the more that we can amplify that, the more that other organizations will get inspired, hopefully, the more that nonprofits can get access to these things. And again, there's a lot of times where we might be working with similar nonprofits or doing similar programs. And it's just something that I think we can continue to compete with in a good way and making each other um, stronger by sharing what that looks like from our side and 
what struggles we may have had and um, how we were able to overcome them. I think all of that learning can be really impactful in building um, better programs that yeah. um, that really serve the community. Yeah. You know, Maddie, I feel like you kind of are building the future, but I wonder when you think 10 years out, where would you like to see this space or where would you like to see Tech for Good or, or your career or um, what's next? It's a great question. As I said earlier, I do not know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> still, still figuring that one out. But I think one of the problems, if I kind of spin the question a little bit, that I really want to solve and I just haven't seen anyone do it effectively yet. There has been some some movement in this space, but one thing I would love for the symposium to be able to do is think about how we build collective solutions that help multiple um, nonprofits in the same vertical. So like, for example, there's product offerings from all these great companies that help them um, help nonprofits in a certain, you know, skill set that they're looking for. So whether it be fundraising or, you know, building, um, uh, making sure that what they're building is secure or being able to make sure that they have access to collaborate or work together. But a lot of what we saw, especially in JP Morgan, where we didn't have a product was just these more esoteric type problems that nonprofits were trying to solve. And we'd see them repeated over and over from nonprofits. And how could we find a way to build roadmaps that would help the nonprofits think about that and could kind of do it on their own? Like, obviously, with assistance from the symposium and our networks of volunteers at our organizations. But I really think there's a need for some way of being like, okay, if you are at this point in your tech adoption journey, here's how you should go forward. And if you're at this point, here's how you should go forward. And it won't be a one size fits all model, but I think that there's ways we can consolidate and build some of that information into at least a jumping off point for the nonprofits and then Mm -hmm. still leveraging our programs to be able to, um, to, to supplement that, that adoption journey a bit. But I think that there's something there and being able to do some more collective work um, across either a vertical or a a sector um, or a a point in time of where they are in an adoption journey. Um, So it's not a lot of reinventing the wheel every time. So I, I won't name anybody. So there's an easy out for those that are already participating, but there's a group of us that have made a pledge to figure out how to put our tools together and build uh, those rudimentary use cases. So nonprofits that are looking to build a community, we have hosting partners, we have uptime partners, we have the security partners, um, the different organizations that can contribute product. We're also working together to contribute how to make all the pieces fit and where are the open source solutions that fill the gaps that we haven't found the right tech for good partner to donate the product to make it happen. So we need a home. We need more members. Maybe we'll lean in the tech for good symposium to do both of those things as well. I would love to offer nonprofit toolkits by the end of the year. I love it. So just maybe um, my next job is working for Peter and having him <laughs> helping him do this. Cause it sounds like he's down that, that track of what I think is really important and needed in the space. 
I've heard many people say that before and I've yet to meet someone that doesn't regret it. So we'll, uh, <laughs> not true, not true. <laughs> All right. I'm going to steal. This is normally Jess's question, but I get to do it this time. Uh, we stole a state. We stole a question from our godparents in podcasting, John and Becky at We Are For Good. And we like to ask, what's your one good thing? What's an impactful moment in your life? What's a moment where you had impact on some someone else? What's that one good thing we can walk away with? Mm. Even if it's just a mantra. Mm. So a moment that I I had where I felt like it was a good thing yeah. that I did? Yeah, just a moment of charity or courtesy or impact that sticks with you. You know, I think that for me, some of the smallest moments um, are really what stick with me. Like, obviously, I got to work on some great projects in the past and helping with really cool adoption strategies for nonprofits. But some of those smaller moments are big wins. So um, one of my favorite projects that we ever got to work on was with a nonprofit, a great nonprofit in Tampa, Florida. Um, and their focus was really on, um, children in the foster care system. And I remember walking into the office of one of the program directors there and she had post-it notes everywhere, like post-it notes for how many bikes were in their back um, room, how many meals that were needed, what her kids pick up schedule, like just post-it notes everywhere. The woman loved post-it notes. I know you're not sponsored by post-it notes. So whatever yep. sticky note Brand. brand you want to, <laughs> whatever sticky note <laughs> brand you want to say. But anyway, there was post-it notes everywhere and just being able to help her, like this was not part of our project, but help her get a simple Google sheet set up where she, a lot of the posted notes were inventory of what they had um, in their storage room, just helping her get that set up and ready to go so that she can eliminate the posted notes and be able to just put that, that inventory in a simple spreadsheet that was shared with her other program managers. I mean, it, it really wasn't revolutionary work that was moving the needle in, in, in many ways, but I think was one of my favorite, um, moments from working on that team because the joy that she had when she was able to be like, you mean I can just put the number in here and I don't need to worry about this again. It just was, it, it was really cool. So um, again, really small little moment, but one that stuck by me and it, it reminds me like just to keep things simple. Like it doesn't always have to be um, this complex solution. A lot of times like these little things can compound on each other and, and really be impactful. So um, think about the little things that you can do um, that oftentimes make a big impact. That's, that's one of our mantras here is every ripple creates a wave. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and you just have to remember, even, even for the individual, you did move the needle. Exactly. All right. And it was just great to see her throw away all those post-it notes. <laughs> recycle, recycle those post-it notes. Recycled, there exactly. We <laughs> Shred them probably and then recycle. All right. So I'm going to call out Aaron again. You're coming back. You don't have a choice. Uh, and we're not doing ramp up period or I'm getting settled in my new job. We're going to be on sooner than later. We'll have Aaron on. We'll talk all that fun stuff. I really appreciate you being here. And uh, Jess, you want to say it? want to say it together? Three, two, one. Hey, good hey, chat. Good nope. chat. Do it again. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Maddie. 
Thank you. And guys, this was the best end to my garden leave. So thanks for uh, making it a fun one before I have to start the new gig on Monday. Really appreciate it. There we go. Your, your week of fun employment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that does it for this episode. Should you or someone you know be our next guest? Visit goodchat.org and click the link to nominate a guest. If you like what we're doing, please rate and review us and tell your friends. You can find other ways to support us at goodchat.org and uh, catch you next time.